James chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the leaders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, say offered in faith. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I think that's powerful because the person was sick, and of course they want to change and they want to get better, but the remedy was the prayer offered in faith, which tells me sometimes we can offer a prayer without faith. And so he says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Righteous meaning that we're not perfect. It means that we're in right standing with God at the time we offer up the prayer of faith. Anytime at our church, including myself, even at home, I always got to have some time before I really try to grab a hold of what God is speaking. I want to speak to him first, and I offer my life up in a repentant state. I know there's some people say, well, you repented before, you don't have to repent no more. I don't believe that. I believe that there's things that we don't even know we did that can trespass on God's pure love or law or whatever because grace is not a license for us to sin. I had to grow and learn that. Uh, grace is God empowering us to do the truth he's commanding. And so I'm going to pray tonight, and then you may be seated, and I won't be long. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the invitation. I know you're going to do something. There's already the Holy Spirit and his plan and the ministry he has here at Heart of the Bay. I pray that I can be a contribution, God. So I, I, I don't take it lightly. It's a privilege to stand behind this pulpit. I know who you're raising up here. So I pray you can use me. Use my heart. Use my mind. If anything good happens, you get the glory. If anything bad happens, it's our fault. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I say I'm just a mailman. I don't get no credit. I mean, when stuff happens, I think as long as we just keep making sure that we let people know that whatever takes place, it's God. Amen. It's like uh, if you came to my house and I wasn't saved, you'd probably get sicker if you're sick in here. Amen. Because uh, it's only God can change a man and his environment. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about that tonight. The title of the message is The Power in the Prayer of Faith. The Power in the Prayer of Faith. See, no matter what we face today, you got to remember that Jesus Christ has given us his ministry. He's entrusted us in Victory Outreach with his ministry. He says that I know how hard it is out there. You heard Pastor Stevon earlier talk about all the negative things at work. Some people can't get a job right now, but after the day, God's going to open the door for you to get the job. He's going to give you the confidence you need and the resources you need for the business because sometimes you got the resources. You don't have the confidence because you're allowing a different voice to speak to you. But I pray you let the poured out presence of God speak to you tonight. Amen. And it, 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 there's, there's things out there. But can I tell you something? No matter how bad it is out there, God has us. He's called us to go into those environments and change it. Can you say amen? See, the ministry is hard, but he gave us the game changer in the ministry. He gave us the Holy Spirit. As long as we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can't go wrong. There'll be times of trials. There'll be mountaintop experiences. There'll be valley experiences. 
But in it all, we keep moving forward because nothing can stop us. Tell the person next to you, you're unstoppable. See, the key to prayer is allowing God to move by our faith. We heard our founders say, by faith. By faith. See, by me, how did we get here? By car. Uh, by, it means that what carries me? What carries my faith? Faith carries my Christian life. Anything you need today, the only reason you're in need is because you haven't spoken by faith. You can have it. I, I tell you, I came from poverty, but I, I'm not in poverty. Our church, listen, the people are coming out of poverty. A spirit of excellence in giving and uh, it's because of the praying people. Um, sometimes we're afraid to give because we're wondering, what will I have? But along with the spirit of excellence comes a mindset for stewardship. Do you know prayer has to be stewardship as well? Do you know that if you're going to tithe in prayer, that there's 24 hours in prayer, so that means I have to spend a cumulative, at least in a one-day setting, 2.4 hours of prayer. You, I know we got to work, so maybe you need to pray in the morning, at lunch, and then when you come home. But if you want to tithe in prayer, see, some people are talking about tithing in prayer. They're asking for everything. No, man. you got to understand that even giving our tithe empowers us, and so does tithing our prayer. See, prayer is so important because it's the conduit for God to move in the earth. People say they want the supernatural, but to get that realm, which is invisible, to manifest in this realm, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that it's faith. And it's not just any faith. It's called now faith. It's now faith connected to the word of God. And for the sake of time, you go look at that later. The first three verses of Hebrews 11 kind of tells you faith and the word is what makes God visible in this realm. Come on now. See, our faith is built by the word of God. Uh, it's so important for us to study our Bibles, amen? I know there's life groups and all that. And sometimes we get, we got such good life groups, sometimes we just depend on them to teach us. But, you know, we got to go as a prepared people. Even in, when you read your Bible, did you know that Apostle Paul said, always have something laid aside for when we meet? See, I had to, that's something that we disciplined in our church. They didn't know. Some people said, I didn't know that. So we challenged them, said, every time you come to church, you got to have something set aside. But you also got to be prayed up before you come to church. See, if you or I come prayer, through prayer, fasting, and giving, it changes the whole atmosphere. Because, see, what fasting does, prayer allows us to... Uh, I guess basically get the devil out of God's way. But fasting gets us out of God's way. And you know what giving does? Giving really attracts a side of God that a lot of churches don't see because they're about receiving from God rather than giving to God, not knowing that God can, you can give to God, you can give your time, your talent, and your treasure, and he will press it down. I know some people say that scripture is for something else, but our God can take something and he can, Press it down, meaning that he will multiply it. Your pastor said 30, 60, 100 fold. There's nothing on earth that can touch 30, 60, 100 fold. The best thing we have on earth, Facebook, people became billionaires. It doesn't come close to God's 30, 60, 100 fold. Somebody said, I don't know about that, pastor. I said, just ask Steve Jobs. He was worth 38 billion when he died, when he could have came to Rancho where God has healed people with the same cancer he had, but we didn't have to have 38 billion dollars. What we had was a people that prayed and gave and fasted and the presence of God moved. So if we want to have powerful prayers with God, we need to have, write this down, I'm I did do some bullet points, glad he said that, because I just want to teach for a minute and then allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. We have to have a time when we actually pray. 
We have to set aside. We can't get so busy that we, go, we just take off and go to work and don't pray. We can't get so busy that even it's, you know, I've been, I've been a lot of places in the last three years preaching, and there were some that they, I noticed that they forgot to pray. Amen? It was a great, I mean, people were happy, and, and I was like, but they didn't have prayer. And so I ain't going to say nothing because I don't have a right to say nothing but, unless they ask. But I was like, you know, we always got to make sure we make time to pray. How many can say amen? You know, prayer puts us in a position where God could authorize us to do the things he wants done. Also, number two, if we want to have powerful prayers with God, we got to have faith released into our prayers. Faith released into our prayers. Uh, you you got to believe, man. I mean, I, I, a lot of stuff has happened. I, I even told, was telling Pastor Kim, I said, for some reason, sometimes I can just see what God is going to do, and I don't waver from it. So some people might say, man, that's, that's really stepping out there. But we step out by faith. But I don't do it by blind faith. I do it because, you know what vision does? Vision allows you to go there before you get there. And so sometimes before I, even becoming, you know, coming here, I saw people, because I knew it was a prayer service, I saw people that were coming up front, and as they sat in the presence of God, and they began to pray, and sat in the pews, and had their face there, and, and began to pray, because I've been here before, when Pastor Sonny Jr. was here, and I remember what it looked like, and uh, I pictured people, I, I saw you guys praying, and I saw people crying out to God, because they were uh, experiencing something in God that they hadn't experienced before, and it wasn't because of me, it wasn't because I I showed up it was because I only mentioned something and then allow God to flow that way and it was part of the plan he had for heart of the bay because God's gonna do something with this church can you say amen and you are the church but also I want you to know you are also the house of prayer see the house of prayer ain't brick and mortar it's not a building you are the house of prayer See, the Pharisees didn't understand that because Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll make it raise again. And they thought he was talking about the building. They sp spent 100 years and about four generations building. So they missed it. But he was talking about himself. You are the house of prayer. Can you imagine moving into a big, beautiful house? Because some Christians are a beautiful house. They look good. There's nothing wrong. They, 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 haven't, they haven't done anything. They're living right. But the problem is, who would want to move into a house They've got everything looking good, but it has no power running to the house. To me, that's, that house has lost its value if it has no power running to it. Amen? See, there's power in this house, but you have to tap into what God intended for this house. See, when I went to Chino, I told Pastor Sonny Jr., I said, well, you, know, what we're gonna, you know, he gave me a, a time to speak, and I said, all I'm going to do is tap in to what God already has here for you. Because if I learn, see, I respect places if I can tap into what God already has there. Then I say, oh, okay, that is that place legit right there. See, uh, anything I can do tonight ain't depending on me. I didn't come on that. I came to tap into your, come on, somebody. Uh, amen. Yeah, you know, some of y'all, you've been some type of people that stole cable before. Amen. I grew up in East Palo Alto and San Jose. I remember I used to run a long cord over there, man. And it was like, tap into Heart of the Bay's presence of God tonight. Amen. Tap into the Holy Ghost here tonight. And I'm telling you, God's going to do something because of the plan he has. Also, you want to have powerful prayers with God, then the word connects us to God's will. The word connects us to God's will. For instance, 1 John, if you're writing this down, chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 14, now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence. See, prayer requires confidence. He says, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know we have. 
Isn't that what Jesus said in Mark 11? He says, when you pray, that you got to believe that you have it and it shall be done for you. See, I don't pray to get something done myself. I hear people say, I got to get this done. I don't pray to get it done for myself. I pray so that God can do it for me. I realize there's nothing I can do. I'm a frail human being. I need the power of God. God, I need you to move. I need you to do this, God. I need this healing. You know, compassion will move God tonight. All the miracles in the Bible, if you look at them, they were done out of compassion. But we live in such a cold world that sometimes, maybe not here, but sometimes it could creep into some churches where, we got so much going on that we lose our compassion. See, the word is God's will. You know why we know the word works? Because a will can't be executed until somebody dies. And so Jesus, we all know that he died, but he was buried and he resurrected. He's at the right hand of the Father. He had the Holy Spirit without measure inside of him. Why did we need to know that? Because now that the body of Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, now he needs a representative on the earth called the body of Christ that has the same spirit without measure in it. That's you and I. Sometimes we cheat ourselves. We look in the mirror and we listen to what the world said or what somebody said about us or we allow a mistake or a sin that we committed to cause us to think that God can never turn us around. But he said a righteous man can fall seven times, but he gets back up. So God is looking at somebody to get back up tonight. He wants to give you this power. It's yours. It, it, it belongs to you. You know why it belongs to you? Because God says, listen, a, a great man of God once said, without God, man can't. But without man, God won't. And so you got to realize God's waiting on some of us to move, and we've been waiting on him to move. See, I, I want to talk to you just real briefly, and I'm done. Two aspects of prayer. Now, in that movie, watch this. You, you'll see it, and you'll know it'll probably speak to you at that time. They had the two pilots, drone pilots, sit down, right? They're in that room. Now, these drones are sitting in another country. I don't know, you know, those funny names, the Bubastan or whatever they were, amen? But they were sitting there, and they said, all right, these planes are going to go up. I need you to sync one, two, three, and they sync their watches together. And the person on the video was in another country had to sync with them because if they were going to strike, it had to be precise. They had to be in alignment. They had to be in agreement, so to speak. You know how the Bible tells us that if any two or three touch and agree on a thing? See, we, ain't agree, we, we, we could touch all day, but if we ain't in agreement by what we believe God can do, then we stifle God. He's unable to strike. Can you say amen? So number one, being in sync with the Holy Spirit in prayer is the key to seeing the attacks of our life. Or, you know, I'm tired of, I told, I told somebody, in the church, I, I'm tired of always having a, somebody preach to me about the devil attacking me. You know, I know God gave me five things, you know, that for defense, but he gave us one thing that we could take it to the devil called the word of God, the sword of the spirit. I get tired of him attacking my family. I'm tired of him attacking people in our city. Hey, man, there's people sitting out there, man. They're sick. They've been doing heroin. They've been doing all that. And you know what? What would make revival jump off more than when, you know, I, I, sometimes it ain't happening. I go, I'll pray they feel different and all that. But I'm like, you know, if something happens, I need you to come back. And I need to meet you here, same time, same place. And I'm going to have to do a video with you because, you know, we out here trying to stop the devil from attacking people like you. You know what I mean? And, and eventually it's going to hit. 
Well, you know what I'm saying? You just keep on digging. See, God said, man, this brother, he really wants to see something jump off when it comes to supernatural healing. So I just keep digging away. If, 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 if you know, you don't believe, then I'll believe for you. But something, eventually I'm going to get somebody that believes with me. And our, we're going to agree and we're going to see the power of God move outside in the streets like never before. I'm just telling you ahead of time. I'm trying to sync up with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and the second one I'm going to talk about will be revival prayer. Revival prayer is something that I believe in this day and age, the only reason we're pastoring, like she was in the prayer ministry, I was in the prayer ministry. I believe that prayer ministry team, it, 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 somebody told me a lot of us are pastors now. And that's when everybody wanted to come to Northern California. I mean, from all over, you can only get 400, and people would like try to slip in and be buddied. Two months ahead, you know, and then the big dogs, you know, from down south, our, our leaders, they, they can just come in when they want, amen. But there was other people that, you know, you just couldn't come in. And it was prime speaking time because everybody knew the presence of God. You just wanted the experience, amen. Uh, we did all the behind-the-scenes praying. Uh, I made a mistake one time telling them we're in there about a, probably a year before me or, or maybe a few months before me or whatever, but me and my wife, when we were new, I made a mistake. I didn't know Sharon didn't want us to, you know, she said, we're going to go on a fast. I thought she meant when we went to the prayer mountain. Uh, and, and so all I had was some Altoid mints, and we stayed all night up there, and I was hungry. Amen. I was like, Jesus, after 40 days, man, I hungered. Amen. And I learned my lesson to listen, first of all. But, you know, that night, something big happened. Uh, remember Jimmy, her, Jimmy Knox? I remember I was praying. And I was tired of being defeated in the streets. And God told me to pray. And he didn't tell me what to pray for. I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And then Jimmy Knox, uh, you know, used to be married to Sharon. He came up to me at that prayer mountain the day we had the mints and I didn't eat. So I learned about fasting. Uh, he came up to me and he says, Gerald. Now, God gave me this scripture in the privacy of prayer in North Sac when I used to open it up for 5 a.m. prayer. I had this in me, and I was praying, the spirit without measure, right? Do you know he came up to me at 2 a.m.? I remember the time because I felt like I was going to die. I couldn't breathe when he said that. I had my hands up because Sharon said, have your eyes closed. And you know we cheat sometimes. I could tell somebody was there, and I was looking out my eye, and I tried to keep it low because I got big eyes, amen, and she always caught us, amen. I was looking, I saw Jimmy come right there, and I was just like, oh, he done caught me, man. And he says, Gerald, and I said, yeah. He said, God said, don't worry about it. You have the spirit without measure. I started, I broke. I, I cried for a couple hours. Amen. We were up there to be trained, but God spoke to me. Now, why am I saying that? Because I'm, what I'm about to share with you, God gave me for you. He didn't give me just for the knowledge for me to have it. He gave me this to deliver to you. In Romans chapter 8, sinking prayer. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, as we should, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart, hello, he who searches the heart, amen, knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I said if we pray according to his will, what happens? We get what we're looking for, right? Sometimes we're asking, Lord, save my husband, save my wife, save my children. And it's in God's will for them to be saved. Sometimes we're praying for God to open up the door. Like that building we got, that was God's will. Because we had a big building. And God said, you're a commuter church. And I tried to tell them that God told me, let's leave this building. But nobody wanted to leave it. They got too used and comfortable in the building. Some people even got back. And some of the leaders at that time said, I don't know. Pastor's just kind of making a, 
you know, I guess a roll call in a sense, like he's just doing this on his own. But I wasn't. I always try to get the leaders involved. But this time I heard God clear. You're a commuter church. Everybody has to travel all the way over to you. So you need to move into the city. Well, I didn't think I had credit and all that to get these buildings that are in the city. But God and Jesse was with me. He's here with me now. I looked at a building. They wanted 10000 uh, $10, a month. But it came 20000 with down payment and all that. And they was going to split the power thing. And I was already going to leave this other building. Don't ever talk too quick. And so when uh, we were going, the guy, Mark Demetri, I'll never forget him. He was over all that, uh, the properties in Sacramento and the Rancho area. He calls me and says, I think, he was a Catholic guy, man. He said, for what you're trying to do, I think I got a building for you. Now, I'm telling you, I was believing God. I was like, God, we're on the timeline. You got to move, right? It's your will. You told me that we're a commuter church. Well, he called us that day. And, and, and Jesse knows when we went over and saw it, it didn't look like a building for us. I didn't like the way it looked all dilapidated and run down, right? But this is what God wanted. And so we went ahead and we got it. No credit check, no nothing. Matter of fact, here's the supernatural part. Those buildings around there are about 5500 a month. We still pay less than half, and we're almost taking the whole building. Only the bar, only the bar is left. The bar has two suites. We got all the other suites. And so the devil is mad. Yeah, you know, somebody set a fire in the back. And the fireman said, man, you, 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 you know, fortunate that they didn't catch to your building, right? And so I was like, you know, we had this before. Remember, it happened at the bigger building. Every time we moved, I told them, I said, what I'm going to teach tonight is going to shake the hornet's nest. Uh, I the devil, remember I said that? I said, the devil's going to, he's going to do something. Because whenever you teach supernatural, it ain't always like uh, stimulating, it stimulates the supernatural realm, and then it starts to move on us. And so I'm going to tell you tonight, <laughs> we've already, just because I know the message I have to deliver from God to you, it's going to shake the tree spiritually for you. There's going to be some things that are going to happen, but don't panic. Uh, this is, you know what God is saying? Uh, it's like Paul that said, uh, three times I ask you to take this thorn from me. But God said, my grace is sufficient. So, so, so Paul said, look at me. I'm a broke down man that needs you, God. And God was looking at Paul saying, no, I see a man that's broken but needs to pray more. My grace is sufficient. So whatever happens, God is saying, all I want to do is draw you into prayer to act on the message that you heard. We got to get in sync with the spirit because the spirit says we don't know what we ought to pray for. If you know, if the truth be told, just like me, sometimes we're always looking who to pray for first, but the spirit says what we ought to pray for first. The implication here is that because of my weakness, I don't know what I ought to pray. See, until we come down there, and that's why I say I repent first because repentance is required because of my weakness. So I know I need to go before God. I need to, but, but once I make it right, once God says, I see your heart, you ain't just in here reciting something. You really want change. You want me to do something. All of a sudden, there's a veil that goes up, and you start to see things the way God sees things. All of a sudden, because see, listen, the language of heaven, the language, of, remember this, the language in the supernatural, so many people sit around waiting to hear God's voice. Well, God's voice is a thought. Hear me, the language of heaven is thought. That's why he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. For I know the thoughts I have toward you. See, on the earth, verbal words are the way we express a thought. That's the way we have to communicate. 
That's not how God communicates. You may come up here, and the moment you begin to be silent, and, you know, we, we, we lift it up, but there are sometimes you got to let God speak to you because you can't transmit and receive at the same time. So there's times that you got to let him speak, and you'll notice that when he transfers a thought, you're going to be so broken because you actually heard God's voice. See, when he said in the Bible, Jewish custom, they said, still small voice, they were talking about thought. Remember Elijah looked for him in the, in, the, in the fire, in the earthquake, the wind? He said, no, it's that still small voice. He said, in thought. So we got to sync up our thoughts with God. See, when I get in sync with the Holy Spirit, there's no limits on what God can do in and through my life. Uh, the key is praying according to God's will. I'm trying to go slow because I do see some of you writing, but you got to see this. You got to go home and be able to look at this again because this works, my friend. We, I mean, God, whatever God's doing with me, he wants to do with you too. Uh, God wants as many hooks in the water as he can possibly have. See, and Victor Outreach, remember, we're taking new ground, but we're dealing with old spirits. And, 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 and this works. This is what, this, the word is what Jesus rebuked the head of all demons with. Uh, the, the, the devil tried to lure him like he did with Adam, uh, but he couldn't do it because Jesus said, it is written. He submitted himself to what was written, but he had to know what was written. And so it's very important that it's being written. And God bless those of you who are writing. I see many of you writing. See, the Holy Spirit, this is why. The Holy Spirit is the author of the word. And getting a word from God in prayer leads me to allowing God to do what he wants to do on the earth. See, before I came, and, and, and usually, like, because of the way we're conditioned, we learn a little bit, and then we take what we learned, and we come and bring it to the altar. And, and, and it's going to, listen, there's people in our, like, in our men's home. You know, a lot of people that were heroin addicts, we didn't have to sit around and watch them kick. They got supernaturally delivered. Because of the presence. Because of the presence of God. The presence of God in this church it's going to amplify. You already have the presence of God. When I walked in, I could sense the love. See, I already knew you made up your mind what you wanted from God tonight. So it's going to make it easier to do what we're going to do. But here's the thing. Pastor, you know, I was taught when you preach, people get excited. When you teach, they're quiet. Why? Because they're thinking. And so I understand. I, I, in a minute, we'll be able to preach this thing out because I'm going to talk about revival prayer, and that's the preaching part. Amen? How many know Jesus was a man of prayer? All right? It even says today he still lives to make intercession for us. See, he had to align himself with the will of God in order to be used by God while he was on the earth. And he's our model. He's our example. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it like Jesus did it. Because if I do it like Jesus, I get the result Jesus got. Can you say amen? So he was in sync, say in sync. That means he knew the right time to pray. Hello, somebody. He knew what to pray for. And by that, he knew who to pray for. I'm going to give Bible example for that. See, we got to get synced up. Look at your neighbor's side. I got to get synced with the Holy Ghost. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, because in Jerusalem, they would get up. It's like here, or like we are out in the valley. Sun comes up quick. It gets hot quick in Rancho. I mean, it gets really hot. I mean, I know it's hot right now. I, tell you, I feel like I'm in Boston Market. Boy, just do Hey, man, I'm going to go home. My wife, she's going to see me. She's going to say, you lost some weight. I'm like, yeah, man, and uh, uh, hallelujah. It gets hot quick out there in that desert. But the Bible says he got up early. Now, Bible commentators say it was between 3 and 6 a.m. 
because they started doing marketplace things around 5 a.m. Let me ask a question while we're doing this teaching real quick. What's the earliest lately you've been getting up to seek God? See, between 3 and 6 is that what they call the fourth watch, and they believed that that was the time when the angelic host from God was released and able to be commanded, amen? And so Jesus would get up, and he would go and spend that time. Now watch this. It says he went out and departed to a uh, solitary place. That means he got alone. Now I know we live with people. I live with people. But, you know, sometimes I got to let my wife go to sleep, and I sit on the edge of the bed, and I'll spend time with God. I don't shandle down, you know, loud because I know she's asleep. So I have times where I'm broken, and, you know, if you woke up, you might think I'm crazy because all you hear is, oh, Jesus, I'm like, thank you for what you did. And my wife has heard me. She's like, are you okay, babe? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just praying right there. She's like, oh, okay. See what I mean? You, you, you got to have a solitary. Solitary just means to get alone. So, yeah, yeah we, we can't always just pray corporately. There are people, and maybe not here, but in my church, there are some people don't pray at home. They wait to pray at church. And they got to understand that you, you don't have power. You don't have that relationship. Prayer is about relationship. You, it, it's about a relationship with a God because I'm going to show you that Jesus got up for a reason. He went out and separated himself. And the Bible says he prayed there. And the, Simon and all them, uh, they said, we look for you, Jesus. And when they found him, he says, where were you? Everybody wants to know where you are. He didn't even say nothing. He just said, let us go into the next town so I can preach because that's the purpose of why I'm here. And then it said he preached in the synagogues. And watch this. Casting out demons. This is why you see a lot of churches out there counseling demons and get overtaken by them. This is when they start to change about how, uh, you know, we can't, and I don't want to get all, you know, because I'm visiting, but there are a lot of things that they change and embrace these days. Amen. Dealing with, you know, gender identification and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to just mark out one sin. Because one time somebody said, well, don't you got sin? I said, yes, but I got Jesus. Amen. So it ain't always going to stay with me. But with you, it's going to become ingrained. So you need Jesus. Uh, see, your, my lifestyle of drug dealing and becoming a dope fiend, it's no different than any lifestyle anybody else chose. But what you got to remember is everybody has to forsake the lifestyle that they have to receive the lifestyle that Jesus is giving in order for God to be able to be God in their life. There is no other way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There is no, there's, I always tell people that there's too many people that like Jesus but don't want to be like Jesus. It is hard. It's hard for me. But if, if I do something, yes, I, man, it can, it can make a guilt complex in you. But you got to know how to come and throw yourself on the altar and say, Lord, you, 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 you did it with David. David said, teach me your transgressions, and I'll teach transgressors. See, there's always got to be a reward for when God rewards you. I'm saying, God, you give me anointing, I'll give you character. And so you got to work on that, right? Because nobody just is perfect. Can I get a loud amen? Because you ain't perfect until you die, and if you're dead, we're going to raise the dead tonight. Come on now. See, watch this, though. Listen. Jesus' first priority, when I read this, I realized something. Jesus' first priority was not ministry. See, for a long time, my first priority was ministry. And I was like, what? You know, things wouldn't happen because my first priority was ministry. Now, I ain't saying ministry ain't important. But I remember a, a man saying this, God first, then your spouse, your family, then ministry. You have to do them all, and you have to seek God for the balance in them. Jesus' first priority was not ministry. It was prayer. He desired his father's presence 
And that's why God gave him authority. See, the presence was so powerful to him. And remember, he came from that presence, and he wanted to get back to that presence. I know some of us only want to get off the earth in the rapture so we can get away from all the craziness. But we got to get to a place where the only time we want to get back to God's presence is because that's where we came from. And we got a job to do. Uh, I, you know what? This whole row will fill up that whole row if you just reach one person. This whole row, reach one person, that whole row is filled. And y'all got the goods. People love y'all. People in outreach, I watch y'all. Y'all got it, man, but you got to tap into the power that God gave you here. See, you got to say power spot. Come on, say power spot. Pastor Sonny said sometimes we got to operate in our power spot. But when you find your power spot, you got to turn it into a hot spot. Because when a hot spot means that you can connect other people to what's connected to you. Come on, somebody. And when you got a power spot and a hot spot, you might still need to stay humble and let your pastor and your pastor's wife and the leaders help you because if anybody in here drives you know if you drive sometimes you don't know what's on the other side so that means you got blind spots so you could have a power spot and be a hot spot but don't forget we stay humble because we still got blind spots because if we don't stay humble and we don't want to listen to our pastors we don't want to pray we don't want to obey we end up not with just the power spot every now and then or being a hot spot or not allowing them speak to my uh blind spots i end up in church a dead spot now i had a dead spot coming up i was trying to you know get something on the phone and all of a sudden uh, it was a dead spot we were coming through the mountains i was like man i don't get no service here so no matter how long or how loud I try to talk into my phone, ain't nobody hearing because it's a dead spot. So I need to get a connection again. Prayer is a connection. If you come in here, if we could be on there's times I, I feel like a dead spot. So I ain't going to lie. We labor a lot. We empty ourselves out a lot. Sometimes you could give yourself to somebody in their life, and then they just pick up everything and walk away. And you still got to love them. And sometimes you just feel like, man, you know, it ain't easy with seeing God grow churches through people. So the best way, God said, keep them in prayer. Keep them, pray, keep them on their knees. The battle's going to be won on their knees. Can somebody say amen? Second thing, and I'm done, is revival prayer. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, that you would burst. This is what Isaiah was prophesying. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations, and oh, how the mountains quake. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you, whose works for those who wait for him, who works for those who wait for him, who works for those who wait for him. Do you know what it's really trying to tell us? If you want to see God move, he's not talking about just sit there and wait. The waiting he's talking about is called expectancy. See, we got to come and we got to shift tonight to expecting God to speak to us here. Now, I, I know, I see I got about four more minutes because I want to stay and pray a little bit. We got a long trick moment. I know if I can stay, you can stay, man. And you never know, God might move in here. Last night in our church, man, God, you know, there's a prophecy that went for it. They, somebody spoke tongues. Then, of course, you know, the gifts start to flow. You start to feel the power. The Holy Spirit starts to want to express himself through people. And I know the gifts of the Spirit are in here, but 
we got to put ourselves in a place where the Spirit of God likes to move in that atmosphere. And, and, and it's here. I, I, I can tell you right now. But the first thing we're going to have to do is come up here, no matter who we are, and just spend that time, like I said, with God and, and, and some time in genuine repentance. We had to do that growing up in prayer. But I, I, I really know that it's not something that's so functionary, but it's very important. We, we got to do it. You'll notice that you feel different when you come. And no matter what we've been doing for God, those are gifts. Gifts are free. Relationship costs. Uh, my, my wife, I could, you know, I used to try to buy her something instead of saying sorry. She said, I don't want that. I'd just rather for you to apologize. Hello. Revival, watch. Please write this down. Revival deals with the poured out presence of God. It, do, it doesn't mean five services where we sing and dance and we have a good time. That's not revival. Revival deals with restoring things that were dead or lost. That's what Jesus did. He said, Elijah has come to restore all things. So we're in position more than ever before for the poured out presence of God. Can you say amen? And Isaiah says it's like fire or boiling water. Listen, my friend, that when water reaches 212 degrees, it changes form. In other words, it shifts. And we need to get to a place where our prayers are boiling hot, where there's a fire of passion inside of me for prayer. Not just prayer, just to pray, but because I desire the presence of God. That You, you just make up your mind that I want this presence uh, more than anything else, God. Moses said that, you know, God said, I'll give you the promised land. Here, take an angel with you. And Moses said, no, we will not go without your presence. Moses loved God's presence so much that God says, I can't let you see me face to face, even though it said Moses spoke to him face to face. It was talking about relationship. But he says, I could put you in the cleft of a rock and let you see my, you know, the back side of me. And how many know the cleft of the rock is Jesus? Do you know that we're saved and we're in the cleft so we can see the glory? And that's what we got to begin to understand that the glory of God, there's different glory. There's the glorious presence of God, but then there's the glory of God where if Esteban, I don't know if he has Esteban Jr., or he's Jr., but a third, then that means they say, man, your son looks just like you. That means that he has his father's glory. That means they resemble each other. They look like each other. And that's what God wants. God wants us to look like him. When we go into a place where people are sick, when we go into a place where people are sinners, when we go into a place where people are all messed up, selling dope, gangbanging, all that stuff, he wants us to be able to walk in and look like the Jesus in the Bible, where we could go in not judging them, but we got that power where you could just look at somebody and you could say, follow me. I, I still ain't got there yet. I, it worked once, but it ain't worked again since. So there must be something in me that God said, they don't want to follow that. So I got to teach a little bit and then people start to follow, amen? But people want to follow somebody that looks like Jesus, as an example of Jesus. And I believe that's what made our ministry strong, that we're not perfect people, but we love Jesus. So we, we find the leaders like your pastors and you say, I'm going to follow them because sometimes the enemy comes and we ain't been praying like we should pray because in prayer, God will tell you, these are your pastors. They love you. They're going to do whatever they need to do to lay their life on the line for you. And sometimes the devil's lying to you saying they don't love you because you get busy. And, you know, we used to go to Starbucks together. What happened? Well, we grew. Now I need you to take somebody to Starbucks. <laughs> I remember one time Pastor Stay Mom, one of the dudes in the home. Well, I'm from the hood, so he shouldn't have did that. But we was proud. I went over teaching. He said, you weren't even never in the home. So first of all, player, when I got saved, North Sac didn't have a home. Amen. I said, don't ever be coming up on me like that either, man. I was like, listen, we saved, but, you know, I'm just playing. I didn't say that. But I just said, listen, man. Y'all was all like, dang, see, I knew we could do it, but we got a license to ill. I just told him, I said, no, nah, man, but listen. I said, there wasn't a home when I came. So I had to pray. I had to fast. I had to read 
with the disciplines that I learned from the men's home. Amen. I, that, that's what I had to do. I still live like that today. I never had the privilege of being in the home. But I believe some people in the home ain't had the privilege to live like me in my own home. So we all need to kind of do a little bit extra, right? Look at your neighbor and say, I need to put some extra on it tonight. What can you do that's different than what you've been doing so you can get a different result? See, the book of James talks about a fervent prayer. In other words, fervent is a word for boiling. To get to a boiling point when God puts a burden in the hearts of a person, there's a fire that builds. You know, there's a fire. You know, when he was talking about what we're going to do, we're going to put the, you know, the, the, the life groups and all this. See, that's a fire to, for, you know, for the city and the reach. He's always putting stuff about the city. So there's a fire. There's a passion. And, you know, and, and you got to have it. you got to realize the only reason you, you're alive, your, your, your purpose is to help them reach the goals that God gave them. This city is bad. You know, I used to come over here off Tennyson and buy dope. Yeah, before I dated my wife, we've been together 21 years. I had another girlfriend that lived out here, and I, I was praying that I, I ain't seen her in like 25 years. I'll say, I'm on Facebook. I hope she don't see I'm going to be in Hayward, and my wife be tripping. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm good. That was in the past. But we used to, I used to be right here. She's a little gangster girl buying speed here. Even back then, it was off. called it Haywired. Amen? It was off the hook. And now here it is some 20-plus years later, and it's gotten pretty bad. But God knew it was going to get bad. And since God knew it was going to get bad, God knew who he had to pick. See what I mean? This is why you're in the home if this is the home. This is why God put you in the home. He didn't put you in the home because you're a bad person. He put you in there because you're in the first phase of your greatness. He realized that. Why not be? You know who Harriet Tubman is? Harriet Tubman was a black woman that was a slave. And then she got away. She escaped. And guess what? She could have just lived in the north. But she said, no, I, I can't leave people. I know how bad the conditions are. So you know what she did? She risked her life over and over going back to pull people out. Come on, somebody. And that's what we do. We remember where we came from. We came from gangbanging. We came from drugs and alcohol. Some of us was in prisons. Some of us, listen, your testimony is you didn't do nothing. Then go reach the people who did nothing but need Jesus. But we got to have a fire. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to have a fire. You know that when Israel kept the fire burning in the menorah, their enemies would never overtake them, it said in the Bible. As long as they kept the fire burning, Amen. I preached a message about uh, don't let your fire go out. And when I studied that, it said as long as they kept the fire burning, their enemies would never overtake them. The problem was sometimes they did not take, uh, they didn't change the wick and the oil in the menorah, so some of the fire would go out. Listen, you can't have some fire with God. You have to have all fire. You have to be an all-consuming fire with God because half passion is not passion to God. It's apathy. Come on, somebody. When the king tried to strike the ground, he struck it three times, and Elisha said, man, if you would have kept striking it, you would have dashed all your enemies. But because you were so lethargic, because you didn't have no passion, you're going to win three times, but then your enemies will defeat you. See, fire, you got to remember back in their day, that was their source of light. See, when we say the fire of God, we're talking about the light. When he said, let your light shine, we assume like that. No, he's talking about let your fire show. Because fire back then was used to what? Prepare food. Amen. They used fire also for seeing where they were going. Come on, somebody. They also used fire, watch this, to heal wounds. Guess where I got that from? I added that in there. Anybody seen Ben-Hur? 
Remember when that dude at the beginning, he took that knife and put it in the fire, and he burnt it up, and then he, uh, he dug that thing out of the dude and put the knife there and singed it. That dude was like, ah. See, but he was okay after that. Why? Because the fire, the fire heated up the, uh, the knife, and then he used the knife to heal the man. Now, people probably looked at him and said, in this day, and said, he's crazy, man. This guy is crazy. He's going to use a knife uh, in the fire, but fire can heal. How many can say amen? But uh, fire also was used to burn out impurities. You know, the, the, uh, when we ain't on fire, guess what? All that junk inside of us just sits there. See, uh, uh, I, I used to have a ring that my wife's grandmother gave me, and it was like 64 years old at the time. It was almost a pure gold ring. It cost a lot. She gave it to me. I gave it to my son when he got married. But uh, uh, here's the thing. I forgot how many carrots it was, but she, the main thing she wanted me to know is it, it, it's basically all gold. It ain't got no, 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 no fake stuff in it. Uh, and you know what? Sometimes somebody can say something, there's a word in that, that we the real thing. There's no fake in us. I ain't perfect, but there's no fake in me either. Amen? Uh, there might be some flake every now and then because I'm human, but there's no fake in me. Amen? If, if you say that uh, this is it, I'll own it and say, you know what? You're right. I need to work on that. Uh, can we be real? Because if you can't be real with each other, you sure can't be real with God. Got to burn up our impurities. And lastly, they use fire. Watch this. I read this this Jewish custom message said they used to use fire to attract people. You know, people were afraid to travel on roads alone, so they would build a fire. And people traveling on the road would see the fire, and they would come and say, hey, you know, uh, do you mind if I stay here for the night too? And they would meet new friends. Some people built big groups and communities from one fire. My God, I'm preaching right there. Uh, 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 Hayward is a big city, and there's other cities around it. I used to buy drugs on Dakota Road. I just didn't I just tell y'all that before I came down here? And Alvarado Niles up in that area, I used to buy stuff there. Guess what? They need a fire over there. They need a fire where somebody could come and say, I know you said it's a life group, but it's a life center. And it saved my life when you came. God needs some people to pray and answer the call. If you're in the home and you only got five months left, you need to start strategizing on how God's going to use you for, with your pastor in the church. Maybe there's another city he wants to take. Here I am. Maybe there's another neighborhood. It's a bad neighborhood. Who will go? I'll go. Because why? Because I know I got that fire. I'm going to let my light shine. Can somebody say amen? Because revival, my friend, it's not music. It's not jumping around. Revival means that God lit a fire in a man or a woman. He put a burden from him in their heart. They understand God's burden. Listen, we need to get lit tonight when we come up here to this altar. We need to let God light that fire. I know some of you got lit before. I used to get lit. I always let somebody sit there and light it and take a big hit, and then I felt different. You need to take a hit of the Holy Ghost tonight so that you are different different when you go get lit tonight come to the altar and allow God to attract some people to your life with the fire of God come on and I'll end with this illustration amen this illustration anybody know who Jeremiah Lamphere is you know he kind of paved the way for our spiritual grandfather David Wilkins Wilkinson <clears throat> excuse me Wilkinson watch this he was a man in the 1800s late 1800s God put a burden in his heart it was a time when America was actually prospering very well and nobody actually, and you can look this up on Wikipedia. Nobody ever felt the need to call on God because America was doing so well. Church attendance went down in New York City downtown, and no new converts were coming in. Hello. He put out a handbill, and you can see it on there. I, I was going to pass it out, but I was like, that's doing too much. He put out a handbill on prayer. He wanted to challenge people. And he offered a opportunity for people and merchants because, you know, New York is packed with merchants, just like here in the Bay. There are people all over the place um, uh, to come by 
to come by and pray for a short time for any perplexities, they said, going on in their lives. Uh, according, accordingly around, it says at noon, September 23rd, 1857, he opened the doors and the faithful Lamphere took his seat to await on the response from his invitation. Five minutes went by and nobody showed up. Then the missionary, he paced the room in conflict and fear, but had faith. Ten minutes went by, nobody came. Fifteen minutes passed, he was still alone. Then 20, then 25. Around 1230, he heard somebody step up the stairs, the first person to come in. But then another and then another. Then later on that day, more came in. At that time, around six to ten people were there, and the prayer meeting began. On the following Wednesday, October 7th, they had accumulated up to 40 intercessors. So in the first week of October 1857, it was decided to hold a meeting daily instead of weekly. When six months had passed, 10,000 businessmen were gathering daily for prayer in downtown New York. Within two years, there were over a million converts that were added to the American churches. There was a great move of compassion through prayer and men's heart there in the Northeast region of America, and they wanted to reach the lost, and they, they believed that equality were for all men. About five years later, something broke out that they believed God was preparing men's hearts for. Those millions of people that had compassion on people were the reason that the Civil War broke out. That people in the North wanted equality for all men, but people in the South wanted to keep men enslaved. When God gives us revival prayer, he gives us his poured out presence. Now we get his presence, right, when we come to church? His poured out presence is more associated with saying a preferential, intentional pour. It's like he comes to the, yes, there's a church right down the street. Or, wait a minute, you're renting right now from a church. But in your service, you have the poured out presence of God. And in their service, I'm saying that because they're here, but uh, they get the omnipresence of God. That means the everywhere presence of God. And they love God. And, but God said, I, I prefer hearted obey when they have their service because I, I put my burden on them. They've responded. They're hungry. Uh, they want revival. Uh, they realize that I have to be able to take my thoughts and put them in them. Put them in their pastor. See, that's why you should always be praying for your pastors. You know why? Because the enemy will attack them, not because he can overtake them, but to distract them. See, there's probably some things, if they're anything like me and my wife, and our prayer ministry team is off. I'm going to tell you the truth. They're off the chain. But it took, it took a lot of digging in like the old days. Where they're good. Remember that time I had them just sit in there and just seek. Don't pray for anything. Just let God speak to you. That's it. And also our gap. They pray for strictly for me and my wife, my family, and ministry decisions. Amen. And I can tell they're praying because I'm not a smart brother. But I've been making some wise moves because of their prayers. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm being honest. But I also know, you know, when you're praying for your pastors, for some reason, no matter what temptations there are, it don't matter what they are. Every man and every woman is tempted. But you feel oh, you master your temptation. Ah, man, I ain't, there's too much to lose. 
for that. You know why? Because I'm not so consumed with thinking of the possibility of failing. When I used to be like that, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, the possibility of failing, your flesh, your old ways start to come up. But then God puts that fire, burns it out. And then you're so grateful. And then God begins to do something. And you get a burden for revival. Every time I walk past somebody in your city, or no matter what, to me, if they're not saved, they're dead. And do you know there's different ways to revive a man? Or a woman? Resuscitation, breath. How many know God has breath in you? That's why we say it's his breath. And you ain't waiting on him to breathe. You have his breath. We're saved. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. Why you thinking the, why do you think they say that in Leviticus it says that God gave us uh, life in the blood, right? So there's people walking around that ain't saved. They got life because they have blood. But when Adam sinned, what they were missing is the breath that was the life in the blood. And so now we're saved. We got the breath back. We got the breath in the life of the blood. That's what we have. I don't know about you, but I know that anything from heaven that touches anything in earth, earth changes. So I'm asking you to stand because you know what? Maybe our prayers might start a war tonight. Amen? Maybe, the, you know, the devil, he knew we were going to be here. He, he knew what we were going to talk about. It, uh, uh, see, the devil don't mind us doing church, but being church, that's different. That's a threat. That's a threat. Now, don't trip if you don't know what you ought to pray for because the Bible already told us we all don't know what we ought to pray for. So the first thing we got to do is come up here and we're going to spend a little time in repentance. You say, what is repentance? Repentance means the, I know the things I've done wrong. Some are mistakes, some are sin, and we have to be honest with, it, with God and with ourselves. The Bible says to lay aside every weight and every sin that ensnares, right? So we know that every weight is not a sin, but every sin is going to feel like a weight. So we want to get the weight off. See, if we get the weight off of sin in the flesh, then what happens, God fills us with faith and now things open because of the weight of faith. Uh, I told this story one time in, in, nearby in Oakland. I said, we were out evangelizing and this gate would open and shut. We were in there and we wanted to get a bunch of us out, but the main gate was locked. We had to wait for a car to come. So I'm sitting there and, and, you know, and we're waiting on a car to come. The car pulled up and on the square and the gate opened. So I'm telling everybody, come on guys, but they really talking to people. So I waited, let it shut again. So while I was waiting, you know what God said? God says, you got about 25 people right now in this complex with you witnessing. Do you know if you all stood together, you have the weight like that car and the gate will open. See, I get a lot of just little small things, I guess because I'm old now, 52, so I'd be thinking of things in terms of the end of my life coming, hallelujah. But do you, can you imagine if all of us stand here as one? Do you know what could possibly open for our lives?